Today, we're talking about nine books that are on my must read list for youth pastors. And if you're not much of a reader, make sure you check out our show notes for a link to Audible. That's what we're talking about today on the Ministry Coach Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Ministry Coach Podcast. My name is Jeff Laskola, and I'm here with my favorite person in the whole wide world. Oh, <laughs> it's you. You're so sweet. <laughs> Thank you. I thought you were talking about yourself. Yeah, well, <laughs> second and I'm favorite. Here too. It's 1A, 1B. It's like really close. <laughs> Today, we're going to be talking about the top books that you need to own and read when, if you're, <laughs> when and if you're a youth pastor. <laughs> Yeah, that. <laughs> okay, should we dive in? Yeah. Let's All go right. Ahead and do so this. these are probably highly debated because if you're a reader, I'm sure you have your like pet favorite books. So this is just my list of. I mean, I am a reader. You know what they say, Jeff? Leaders. Reading are... is lame. Okay. Can I tell you guys a short little nerd secret about Jeff? <laughs> that could be so many different things. So Jeff <laughs> does not read. Nope. And I don't know how. We've been married for nine years. And in that time, there <laughs> has been one book on his nightstand. <laughs> it's about this thin. If you're on, if you're just listening, uh, I don't know what, like 90 pages no, long. No, it's a legitimate like 150 page book. <laughs> It's a okay. series, actually. Fourth grade reading level. No, I read it in the seventh grade. <laughs> and it's called In the Time of Tripods or oh, something. Oh, <laughs> The White Mountains. Okay. It's amazing. So he'll read, like, he'll bring it when we travel <laughs> and, like, read, like, four and a half pages on the flight. <laughs> and then he's done until we travel again. For the next year. So once a year when we go to visit my sister in And Texas. that's why. We've been married for nine years and he still has not finished it. So anyways, that's just Jeff. Well, you know what they say. Anything that you can read in a book, you can probably watch on TV. Said a wise man. <laughs> dumb. So dumb. Anyways. Oh, I hope our children learn from me. Yeah, me too. All right. So this is a, like she was saying, not a absolute list. Obviously, you might have more that you want to add. Maybe some of these you even want to take off, but some of these you may have already read. Some of them you probably should read. Yeah. But. Well, what I was going to say is before you said reading is lame is <laughs> you know what they say, Jeff. Reading are good. <laughs> Don't interrupt me. <laughs> Leaders are readers but then they say that because it rhymes <laughs> but then someone pointed out no it's not that readers are leader or leaders are readers it's that leaders are learners and that's what we aim to do so we should always be learning and if you're listening to this podcast clearly learning is a value to you you're welcome but I am a reader big time and I always have been. And when Jeff's like, Hey, like what would be some of the top books you would recommend to youth pastors? Like it was pretty hard to narrow it down because I've read my entire life. So boiling it down to the book, like I asked myself the question, not what book did I like the most? 
because I've liked a lot of books, but I had to ask myself the question, which books have had the biggest impact on my ministry, my leadership, and my spiritual life? So, I mean, okay, can we just clear the air that the Bible is not going to be on this list? I'm not the person who's going to be like, the Bible, that's all you need. Well, okay. it also kind of goes without saying. And In, exactly. So we'll just say, number one, the Bible. Got okay. it. Everybody knows Satisfied. it. Everybody should have that. Moving on. Right. And that's why. Okay. So here we go. So I was thinking back to when I first got started in youth ministry, these books were foundational for me in starting and gave me a great framework for the way that I thought. And then the way that I structured youth ministry, because, you know, youth ministry can be a big operation. The sky can be the limit. So Mm -hmm. it's hard to know, like, where should I put my energy toward? What programs should I make sure I'm incorporating and touching? What kinds of things do we need to be well-rounded because you can really do anything and people will pressure you to do a lot of things. So I started with Doug Field's purpose-driven youth ministry. And it is of course a classic and everybody knows about it. It's been around forever. I think it got a re like a little, yeah, because it is so good, but like it was written so long ago. I think some things obviously have changed since then, but I think I got a revision. Um, but that one, it's still on my bookshelf and I love it. And then I'm going to pair with that one because I do middle school ministry. Kurt Johnston also from Saddleback did uh, controlled chaos. And that was a book specifically made for middle school pastors. And those two books were really foundational and kind of getting my brain in the youth ministry space. Mm-hmm. of like, all right, this is what I do. This is kind of the toolbox to build some framing. <laughs> framework. <laughs> framing, framework on the walls, okay? So those two to start with. Number three is Jesus-Centered Youth Ministry by Rick Lawrence. Okay, I had to put this high on my list because I remember reading it and telling my staff, I wish I had read this year one Hmm. like, and I only read this book probably four years ago. And I remember thinking like, where has this book been? So basically the whole gist that Rick Lawrence is making the whole big point that a golden thread that goes through the whole book is every single time you teach, you should be making a beeline to the gospel. So teaching without the gospel is useless, but he, he does it in a very strategic way and gives some like teaching samples and teaching direction of like how, no matter what we're talking about with students, how the gospel, the spirit of the gospel, the direction of the gospel is always central. Mm -hmm. And it just blew my mind and changed my teaching forever. And I always have that phrase in my mind, does this make a direct connect to the gospel in some way, shape or form? And, and that was huge. And especially for youth pastors, because we teach all the time. And if we're not teaching the gospel, what are we teaching? Right? Number four is 200 pomegranates in an audience of one by Sean Wood, not Sean White. He is a snowboarder. (laughs) Sean Wood is an author. The two occupy the same cube in my brain Mm. and I just pull out Sean names and that's what came out. But anyways, so I picked this book up at a conference like a million years ago. Why? Because the title grabbed me, to be quite honest. I'm like, what the heck? 
200 pomegranates. That sounds interesting. I like pomegranates. Tell me more. (laughs) And let me tell you, it's a short, super easy read, but the story is profound. And I have gone back to this so many times in my leadership. And if you listen to our last episode, uh, you know a little bit about it, but the reason why is because this is that constant recalibration of why do I do what I do? Who do I ultimately work for? Who is my job supposed to please? What is this an offering of and who is it to? And it just like, it's such a profound story. Even our senior pastor, Chris Brown, he heard of it because I brought it home from this conference and he's even used it in sermons and devos and stuff because the story of this temple builder and his best work being up high where only God could see it. I don't want to spoil the whole thing, but it's just such a cool aha moment of like, yes, keep my perspective of who I work for. And I think that's been super tied to the longevity um, in my ministry. And that was what we talked about last episode. So we can move on from that, but pick it up. It is so so good. Thanks, Sean Wood. Sean White. Thank you too. Thank you too. All right. Number (laughs) For different reasons. (laughs) Okay. Number five, Lead Like a Shepherd by Larry Osborne. Hey, Larry. (laughs) You're my fave. No. Um, So... This is an unbiased opinion. Yes, I work for him. Okay, (laughs) let's just make that clear. He is not paying me to do this. I think he knows who I am. (laughs) Just kidding. So Larry Osborne, senior pastor of the church I work at, he writes a lot of books and I read all of them. So I would recommend all of them. He's one of my favorite authors. Brilliant. Oh my gosh. Um, everyone knows how I feel about Larry. Right. Guy, I just, here's what he does. Let's take a huge concept that's theologically complex. I mean, he has all the letters after his name. He's right. very smart. But then what he's going to do, true sign of genius, he boils it down to this little bite size nugget. Yeah. And it's like, it like all of a sudden you're like, I get it mm-hmm. because you said it the way you said it. You didn't need to go on like a half hour, like, you know, old it's like, no, he just says it. And you're like, I get it. Like, you're so good at what you do. Yeah. So he wrote a book that I think is very appropriate for what we do called lead like a shepherd. And he goes through and talks about <clears throat> biblical leadership Um like on a pretty large scale, like how to lead the way that Jesus did. Mm -hmm. And I was a little bit fooled by the title because I just thought it was going to be very like soft, Mm -hmm. I guess you could say. And there was so much meat in there that I actually told our campus pastor, like, Hey, can we get our entire staff at the Fallbrook campus to read this book and discuss it at our staff meetings? Because it is just so good. And the way that he writes, it's just so, it's a very easy read. It's very relevant to what we do. And it's put in language to where you're like, yeah, Mm. like that is what happens or that is what I think, or how do it's like, he's in your head and it's brilliant. But if you want like to just go off his library and read all like, he has a book called thriving in Babylon, accidental Pharisees. Those 
are probably such a close second. I wanted to include them in this list, but I'm like, if I had to pick one Larry Osborne <laughs> book for this episode, it would be that. But Lead Like a Shepherd, number one, Thriving in Babylon, an Accidental Pharisee, super close second. Number six is An Unhurried Life by Alan Fadling. Fadling. Alan Fadling. Fadling. I think I'm saying that last name correctly. It sounds like a miniature fad. Just a fadling. Just a tiny <laughs> one. Something that's here and gone in like I a day. skinny jeans were going to be a fadling, Remember but they're not. Capris for guys. That, you that always was a fad, ask me that. That's a, that was that was the <laughs> definition. <laughs> that's the definition of a faddling because that was here in like a day and gone. Um, I want that to be in the Urban Dictionary. Okay, faddling it is. But <laughs> an unhurried life by Alan Faddling. Okay, so we interviewed Jeff Moore's a while ago. Rhythm Church from Rhythm Church, and I remember him posting a long time ago on his social media. Hey, pastor friends, if you haven't read this book yet, read it. It's awesome. And I was like, I trust you, Jeff Moore's. I'll take your recommendation. So I downloaded it to my Kindle, and I read it every night as I would fall asleep. And it was seriously a godsend because what Alan does in this book is like really takes a deep dive into the rhythm of work and rest as portrayed by Jesus in the, in the gospels. Like he takes it directly from Jesus's life and then puts it in our context of, are we modeling our life rhythms after Jesus? Because much like yourself, I am a go, go, go firing on all cylinders, gears in my head turning constantly. And it just got to this point where I was feeling anxious all the time. And I had to be productive all the time. And I had to be doing something all the time. And I still struggle with that. Mm -hmm. This book did not like (laughs) set me free and heal (laughs) me. So check it out. But (laughs) what it did do is this is a book I'm probably going to have to go back to over and over and over again to readjust my rhythm in life because we run so hard and we run so fast um, and we get our priorities get a little mixed up. And I think our perspective of ourselves gets a little mixed Mm -hmm. up in that really fast pace. And so Alan felt Fadling um, just dials it back of like what is important and you need to slow down. Um, and he and he actually teaches you how to be more productive, mm. but with a more healthy rhythm. It's so good. I It was one of the best books I read for my personal spiritual health and my ministry. So pick it up. Number seven, The Blue Parakeet by Scott McKnight. Oh, big fan. This changed my life too. See, that's why that was the bar. Like it had to change my life in some way. (laughs) So Scott McKnight, I actually read about this book in another book. She had, the author had mentioned this book changing her life. Mm. And I'm like, hmm. So I picked it up and I'm like, I totally see what you mean. So I love this book for two reasons. Number one, Scott McKnight is um, a theology professor and I follow him on Twitter. He's brilliant. He has all kinds of cool stuff that you can glean from, but he helps you to understand how to read the Bible as a story. And the way that he kind of coaches you through that process totally changed my perspective perspective on needing real context to be a very good Bible teacher because like taking verses and just picking them out of just whatever book, whatever mm. chapter and like, just like 
let's put this on a coffee mug. Doesn't this sound great? And he's like, wait a minute, because that verse is part of like the biblical vascular system that is all intertwined and nothing is separate. And so you can't take these little nuts and bolts out without destroying the structure. The, Mm. you need the full story. Mm. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Yes. And one part he really focuses on later on in the book. This is not what the whole book is about is the whole debate on women in ministry, which was so refreshing to have it written by a man because <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. Like he really dives in and says uh, his view on women in ministry, where he gets it from and how important that discipline of reading the Bible as a story and in its context really comes into play with that particular issue. And so hats off to Scott McKnight, the ladies love you (laughs) for your genius brain (laughs) a lot of stuff ends up on the editing floor and this might be do whatever you want do whatever you want number eight preaching by timothy keller okay i have to admit this is one i listened to on audible i did not read it and i kind of wish i had actually read it because it was heavy to take in that way. But if you are, I mean, I have some friends that are diehard Timothy Keller fans. And so if you like Timothy Keller, you will love this. What I loved about it is he really helps you to see your preaching from the congregation's perspective, from Mm. your audience's perspective, whatever you're going to call them, from your student's perspective, to see the different types of people you're talking to and how they hear things and how to put the gospel in the context of the ears that are listening. And that, I mean, maybe that sounds weird. Like not saying like change the gospel to fit the culture. No, no, no. It's like, here's what people hear and here's how we meet them where they're at so they can digest the gospel. And it's, it's a big, you really got to think book. So um, I would take that one slow, but very, very good for all of you who are regular teachers. Number nine is gender roles and the people of God by Alice Matthews. I'm a big fan of this one. (laughs) You're a monkey too. (laughs) Monkeys love to read. Everyone knows that. Okay, so this one, oh my gosh. Like my head exploded when I read this. And then I took a lot. So Alice Matthews is a theologian. She, like, obviously you can tell by the title, dives into this whole, like, what was God's purpose for women originally? And then she like takes us through all these different women in the Bible and then Jesus's response and how God, it's just like, whoa, like goes all the way back. Like she gets like all the way down to the Hebrew and Mm. what this word meant. And my head exploded, but the whole time I read it, it was like my heart was beating like really fast because it was just so exciting that it's like, there were so many things in there where I was like, I knew it, <laughs> you know, it, it was just like, uh, and I actually took her a lot of her points and I turned it into, um, like a, a, a message, you know, that I preached and I had women coming up to me after like, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You know? And it was like, Alice, this is incredible. (laughs) Why have I not heard of you before now? So anyways, and if you're a male pastor, who's still kind of like, or even a female pastor, I didn't even know how I felt about all this stuff for a really long time. 
and you're kind of wanting to more understand the gender role thing on like a theological issue, blue parakeet coupled with uh, gender roles and the people of God will forever change the way I see the scriptures on this stuff. And one's a man and one's a woman. And they both bring this amazing perspective that gave me so much confidence on a theological level to be able to move forward with what God had for me. And that will help you if you're a woman, but also if you're a man to help women realize who God made them to be and silence Maybe some of the opinions that there's a lot of opinions on this, but like to know deep down, like what is rooted in scripture and be able to come from a place of truth, not just like debate, you know? <laughs> and so it's like, I just have to get, no matter what this person, this person, this person thinks, I just have to know God, what do you say about this? Right. And then taking a deep dive into Scott McKnight and Alice Matthews, I finally feel like that little rattle in the back of my head for so long just went, shh, you're good. I'm mm. like, oh, feels good to be good. You know what I mean? So those books are a huge gift. All right. Well, there you have it. That is Kristen's top nine books that you nine. should be reading if you're a youth pastor. A weird amount of books to have on a list but <laughs> you want to know what you probably don't even know this about me jeff you thought you knew everything nine is my favorite number it's a weird that favorite number so random it goes back to sesame street when i was little it's kind of a long story but they like made the nine so cute and <laughs> they were all characters and i'm like that nine is just so cute i love nine ever since then <laughs> i made the decision to love nine on that day <laughs> If you guys have any books that you would recommend, please post them in the comments yes. on YouTube. Jeff can't wait to read them. Yeah. What he's done with the White Wolf Mountain. It's the White Ma I'm going to put it in <laughs> the show notes. It's it's a trilogy. We don't read fiction. We don't have time. No, it's not a trilogy. It's a quadrilogy, if that's a thing. Nerd! White Mountains. Check it out. It's about tripods, aliens coming to Earth, brainwashing, stuff like that. I hate Super aliens. Super 2020, even though it was written like in the okay, 50s Okay, this is not your show. All right. Stop. Well, thank you guys for listening, <laughs> and we will see you next time. Thanks for checking out this episode. We hope that it provided a ton of insight for you to create health in yourself, your ministry, and your church. And if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Ministry Coach Podcast wherever you're watching or listening. And it would mean so much to us if you would rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts. And we'd also encourage you to share it with a friend so that it can go to help more people. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time.